Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by our panel of newbies. Say hello, panel. Hello, hello. panel. Hello. Joining us today, we've got Siobhan. Hey, everybody. Greg. Hello, dear. DW. May the force be with you. And Axel. Hello. Sounds like you're talking to us from the other side of a tin sheet there, Axel. Well, and the headphones, it looks like he's about to start, they're about to start spinning records. That, that's what happens when, when, In the uh, protection program. I, I think that's what happens when Canadians come over and try to use the American internet. It's it, like the, they don't have the right adapter. Yep. So the Canadians so not compatible. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be plugging that in the socket there, Axel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, not, that's not what that outlet's for. Canadians use a 220 internet. We use a 110 internet. It's just, yeah, yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Ours is metric. Oh, that's what, oh, okay. Yeah, I, 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 Imperial internet, it's just, yeah. So it's like three liters to the gigabyte or something like something that? Something like that. Okay, yeah. all right. Got to carry the five. Oh, that's, that's where I keep losing the math. All right, right so. <laughs> with that all covered up. Covered up, covered over, gone over, whatever the hell we did with that. <laughs> We're doing great. Uh, I, I, I just, I just want to say that that <laughs> my my spouse has been gone for two weeks and just got home at three a.m. last night. Oh, so I I did not get to sleep until like almost four a.m. last night, and and I am very very tired. So Rurik had only just started eating the wallpaper. Yes, only just. <laughs> I, I'd gotten done with all the paint chips, so I had to move on to the wallpaper. <laughs> Gotta get those paint chips down. Yeah, yeah. Those tasty, tasty paint chips. So, anyway, episode eight <laughs> in our Redux series. Oh, this was going to be punchy. <laughs> yes, this is going to be very punchy. Uh, so, our cold open, we start out in uh, the Age of Legends. Uh, we, we've got our scene with uh, Luz there in Telamon and Latra Bosse. 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago. That loyal just like, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> we get an interaction between these two uh, where Latra is saying, you have presented your case and you have our answer. And he says, so that's it then? And she says, you would break the Aes Sedai in two, men against women? She says, it's you who breaks us. And he says, you can't stop me. We have a chance here to do something that's never been done before, to cage the Dark One, to stop his influence from touching this world ever again. When you and I, become, I became Aes Sedai, we swore an oath to serve all. What you plan to do, it serves only your pride. You're wrong. You expose the very source of the one power to him. If he touches it and corrupts it, your power will be out of control. It will run unchecked. You and your men could throw us back a thousand years or more. She's on to something. She did the math. If you help us, yeah. we won't fail. We will remain to pick up the pieces as best we can if you do. So he's saying, hey, if, if you help us, that won't happen. And she's saying, if we help you, it might happen to both of us. And we need to be around to pick up your pieces when you screw up. I still feel like this scene feels very much like a reenactment, like the story that's told about the conversation that happened, because it it's so prescient. Like she lays out what is going to happen as if she knows. 
So this is kind of like at the peak of civilization, lots and lots of knowledge, training. They understand the theory behind magic, blah, blah, blah. So it seems kind of reasonable that, that she has enough knowledge to be able to say, yeah, what you're doing is really dangerous and here's why. And very much there's the choice of they do it together and potentially succeed or they don't do it at all. You know, when she says she's not coming, he is he has too much pride to say, oh, well, I guess I'd better not do something incredibly dangerous on my own then. But, you know, toxic masculinity. Well, my my thought on that is that this is the, what, this is the third age? Is that right? This is the second age. We are currently in the third age, so this gotcha. is the second okay. age, which is the age of legends, yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> that means that the world is broken once before. At least. Um, they may still have some recorded history from before. And, uh, from the first stage, you're saying? From the first stage. So they okay. kind of see the cycle, see what happens, see the weave, so to speak, and know it's coming around again. Hmm. It seems unlikely if they know that he would go, th that Luz would, Theron would go through with the plan. And there's nothing to say that the end of an age has to come with a breaking or a great cataclysm. You know, the end of the end of an age could come just with a whimper or something. It, it, it doesn't have to be a cataclysm. Where's the fun in that? Could just happen because rich people won't pay their taxes. You know. <laughs> there's also there's also the thing to put forward that you know sometimes people even when they have a definite this is what happened last time can get in that mindset of yeah but i'm going to be different mm -hmm. having that knowledge it means that i'm going to know that it's not going to happen to me i'm smarter than those last guys <laughs> this is this is all feeling very prescient with uh, our current yeah political situation yep. mm -hmm. <laughs> oh these fascists will be different <laughs> it's like that meme where the person is saying, I don't understand how Krypton could know that their end was coming and nobody did anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I looked at modern politics and said, oh. That's how. <laughs> yeah. Somebody yep. in Krypton made a lot of money right before the end of the... <laughs> ironically, ironically, it was the Krypton real estate market. <laughs> I was going to say it was it was all uh, Krypton coins is what it was. Uh, Krypton they, they used all their Krypton yes, currency. Yes, their, their Krypton currency. <laughs> they just named an arena after that, didn't they? <laughs> you know, well, they, they named the planet after that, and that's what caused the, the, the planet to explode. <laughs> that, that's how yeah. bad the, the, the uh, currency got. Yeah, they were trying to use the planet's central core computer to actually, you know, create the blockchain, and it was just so intense that it blew up the planet. It refused to turn it off and turn it back on again. Yeah. yeah. It just kept coming up with 42, you know. Well, we're off the rails. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and not for the first time today. No. no not for the last time today. <laughs> Any more thoughts about this, this view back to the Age of Legends? Any thoughts just about the Age of Legends itself and how it's presented? It looked pretty cool. The cities looked cool. The costuming looked cool. You know, flying cars. They were doing pretty well. It's one of the things I find most interesting about this, because it technically is a post-apocalyptic story, is the idea that the story before the apocalypse was more advanced than we are. Because so often it's like, it's something that's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year. So all of the technology that's gone 
is what we had. All of the knowledge is gone, is what we have. And then something happened and now everybody's back to, to square one. Instead of, we're going to go for another thousand years, be really awesome with our flying cars and everything, and then we're going to blow everything up, which is to a certain extent optimistic because expecting us to go that long without blowing ourselves up. But um, <clears throat> I like the idea that there is knowledge and uh, technology and what have you that now doesn't work or now isn't available. Yeah. Maybe the technology was the cause of it in the first place. That's why we don't have flying cars. We get flying cars and the planet's going to explode. Krypton had flying cars. <laughs> Story-wise, it also gives you that structure to be able to say something that the people knew before the apocalypse and the people in the story are learning and we as the readers or watchers are also learning in that moment because it is not knowledge we have. It is not. So it gives that kind of prediction while being a telling of the past. And that's a, a unique thing to use in a story. I, I personally just thought the Age of Legends was really, really cool. Like, yeah. No deeper thought than that. I was just like, cool. <laughs> you had us do a redux. It comes with deeper thoughts. <laughs> I will I'm, say I'm this... working on like three hours of sleep right now. That's about as deep yeah. as my thoughts get. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's one tiny little heartbreaking moment where Luz there and looks at his daughter and says, I am making the world safer for you. And you know what happens afterwards if you've yeah, not so much watched the added yeah. scenes that after he goes crazy yeah. and kills his children. That I'm not like that's so much. So our first scene in the show, we've got uh, Rand and Moraine in the blight. And I'm gonna reuse this joke from last time because it 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 Fell flat last time. I'm, Did you leave it in or cut it? No, I left it in. Okay, okay. But I'm going to bring waiting. this joke back because I think after The Last of Us, maybe it might hit a little better. Okay, okay, we're waiting. So they come across some mycelial Shinarans in the Blight. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't played the game or, yeah. you know, and now I get it. Okay. I had to reuse that one because I felt it was a good joke and I did it. <laughs> Nobody got it last time. Like... This joke will be acknowledged. <laughs> I had to go back to that episode and edit it. That's going to kill in six months. Yeah. <laughs> that seemed uh, to kill Moraine pretty instantly. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of them. Moraine tells Rand no touchy, and Rand looks really grossed out just looking around the blight, which, you know, I don't blame him. It was. It looks really gross. But it looks so touchable. I thought it was funny that she goes, young men in over their head, and she glares at him. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case my point wasn't clear. Ironically, the blight does look like a college student's refrigerator and microwave. <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair, there were no female soldiers that were uh, dead in that, in that area. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Then we switch to uh, Eggy and P-Dog, where they both say that they love Rand. And and they, they kind of get over the, the fight that they all had at the end of, of last episode. And and she said, are we good? And, and he's like, you're my sister. Of course we're good. Maybe the person that Perrin was secretly in love with all this time was Rand. It could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. So, so we're, we're 
now theorizing bisexual parent. Is that what I'm hearing? Hey. <laughs> Why not? I'm down. If you're going to be a dog, bark. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Howling like the wolf. <laughs> no, 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 he's a wolf, not a bear. There's a difference there. Nobody's looking for one. Both. <laughs> he's a bear wolf. Yeah, I can see that. I love the fact that in this scene, Perrin is once again the very practical one. Like, Egwene's throwing clothes in a bag, and he's like, we don't even know where to go. Like, yeah. think about this logically. Like, in, into which pit of death are we going to heave ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty to choose from around here. <laughs> so then we switch back over to Rand and Maureen in the Blight, and uh, they stop to rest inside of the Seven Towers of Malkir. There's some amazing set decoration in this. Yeah. Uh, Moraine says it's been swallowed for 40 years, but it looks like it's been there for a thousand. Um, and Brand says, was it hard to leave land behind? And she pretty much says, shut the fuck up and then eat some food. Do not speak about things of which you know nothing. One bit about that is something Moraine says, three years ago, it was miles from Tarwin's Gap. Does that mean that the blight is I, I get I get that the blight, you know, moves, <clears throat> sort of proceeds, but is it carrying the things that it's already taken over? N- no, no, no. Okay. She was saying the blight itself was miles from Tarwin's gap. Gotcha. And 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 and, and 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 you know, you could see when they walked in, the blight was right there at Tarwin's Gap. Right, and they used right. to have to walk through Tarwin's Gap and for several more miles before they even reached the edge of the blight. Right. Gotcha. So what she's saying is, you know, it, it has taken over Malkir and has since moved to all the way up to the gap. Okay. okay. I feel it is less yeah. less glacier, more kudzu. Yes. Yeah. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. They, it 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 just seemed a little weird because it's like, is she talking about the blight itself or the or the t- towers of Malkir? I remember that question coming up last time too because somebody was like oh my god it moved the towers that far and i was like i see the wording that you're you're seeing there but i think that's just you know i think it's just worded awkwardly yeah yeah so then we go back to lan and nynaeve lan saying she doesn't want to be followed that's why she turned off her gps and nynaeve said well it wasn't you i tracked before it was her because you know she eats sunflower seeds i can't believe you couldn't figure out, just follow the trail of sunflowers. <laughs> and uh, so Lan is like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll go follow the sunflower seeds. And before he leaves, he says, I will hate the man you choose because he is not me, and I will love him if he makes you smile. You are as beautiful as the sunrise, as fierce as a warrior. You are a lioness wisdom. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Or seat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> are we all buying in on the Lan and Nynaeve love story? Or, or do we think that? Oh, it's hell going yeah. Over? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's really on. Yeah. It is on. Are we sure Lan's not the dragon? <laughs> Are we going back to this? <laughs> Why not? You're asking obvious questions. I, I, thought, I thought we had landed on Voltron. We have. We have totally okay. landed on okay. Voltron. Okay. Right. Yeah. Lan is I forming the head. I thought is the dragon. Yeah, Bella's the head. What are you talking about? Bella's the head of the Voltron. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Land forms the right arm. Yes. Yep. Oh, actually, it's kind of funny that you guys started in on that because uh, Madeline, when, when she got home last night, had listened to all of our Redux episodes on, on her journey 
and had said that in one of our episodes, we had said in the next episode, we'll have to use as the final question, who forms what part of the Voltron? <laughs> there you go. So I'm glad and that we you didn't. guys, and we didn't. Well, we never so. went back to it. Yeah, well, we could do it on this one, but. Yeah, that'll, that'll be our final, final answer, I think. Hey, there we go. All right. We can make it happen. So then we go back to Rand and Maureen in the blight and Rand uh, wakes up after, after taking a little nap and he's kind of being absorbed by the blight and Maureen says, Hey, what was your dream about? And he said, it was, it was flame face, you know, flame face. He keeps showing up in my dreams. And then we hear knock, knock, who's there interrupting sword, <laughs> interrupting sword. Who? <laughs> <laughs> And there's Flameface with his sword through Moraine's neck. No, 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 through the neck, but coming out the mouth. That was disturbing. Yeah, that that was rather disturbing. Good thing the show isn't in 3D. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So Rand and Ishamayel have a chat, and uh, she says, it's you, I can see you, I can see it in your eyes. And then he, he starts making fun of Rand for thinking that Tam is his father. He seems to still be at the kind of like poke poke stage of figuring out, figuring Rand out, figuring out how much he remembers, how strong he is. Like, so he's, he's kind of, a, like, I'm going to poke never, and see how you react. And yeah, and, I never yeah. thought the dragon would be a fool, like just kind of taking his measure now that he knows which yeah. one of them is the dragon. He's like saying, okay, what can I find out about you? And <laughs> before you actually yeah. get to where I'm hidden. I was going to ask Siobhan, I was going to ask you, uh, when do you think Ishamayo figured it out? Like, because the, you know, decision that was made, I don't know necessarily that Ishamayo was there for the decision being made. And we do know that he's been in everybody's dreams. So to, to all of us, when do we think Ishamayo figured out Rand's the one? I think when, when he came into the blight with Moraine. Okay. I think yeah. he's like, oh, that has to be the dragon because Moraine is bringing this individual in and leaving everybody else behind. It could also be that that's the point at which he gets close enough to be able to see him properly. You know, like when they're in the dream at a distance is one thing, but now Rand is in, you know, the, he's in the blight, he's in, his, he's in the you know, flame guy's domain. So this would be the time yep. in which he would get a really good view of him. And then once they're face to face, he looks him in the eyes and says, oh yeah, there you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I can see you. So then Rand wakes up again in the same way and realizes, oh shit, I'm in Groundhog Day. Well, the way he wakes himself up in the dream is uh, a little extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. It's a, that's given that, he you he couldn't tell that he was dreaming right away. Yeah, it, it's that's where you kind of think you know a pinch would have done. You could have tested with a pinch. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the the person on acid who like goes up to the top floor and jumps off thinking they can fly. It's like no, you test it from the ground first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can fly, you can fly from the ground. Birds yeah, don't yeah, have you to fly. No, no, that to the that top requires of the getting garage. up in the air. It's effort. The other's just staying in the air. That's yeah. Remaining right. status quo. It's inertia. Come on, this is science. It's jumping right. off of something and missing the ground. Is, is exactly the yeah. Throwing yeah. yourself at the ground and missing. Yeah. It's levitation. That's not flight. <laughs> he does wake up again, and uh, Moraine says, what was the dream about? And he's like, nothing. Leave me alone. Grr. 
<laughs> this is the point where she gives him the sangreal that she's been hiding this whole time. And uh, that's when he says, wait, you thought it was a Gwen. That's why you were training a Gwen. Well, why can't you train me? And she's like, I, I, I can't train you. You're, you're a boy. I'm a girl. Neither of the two shall mix. So sorry. You'll know what to do when the time comes. And he's like, oh, great. Here's the deep end. <laughs> Learn. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Hey, nobody said that being the dragon was going to be easy. That's right. That's right. Well, and is part of the being the dragon having that knowledge locked up somewhere in your brain? Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> well, he does start to remember things. When he gets into the eye, he starts saying, I recognize this room. I was here before. That's true. So the knowledge is, he, he recognized the mount, the mountain. So, like, it's all locked away in there somewhere. Then we get back to the, this. This episode jumps all over the place so often. Uh, yeah. We jump back to uh, Eggy and Nynaeve. And Nynaeve is saying she can't hear the wind any longer. She can't hear it since since she finally channeled out loud for the first time. So Egwene says, well, I hear something. And frankly, it sounds like a friggin' foghorn coming from that way. It's just like... Trollocks. Good thing we set the Trolloc alarm. <laughs> we changed the battery in it last week. Daylight savings time. <laughs> it's supposed to be, <laughs> be -doo, be -doo, but it's just so dead. <laughs> <laughs> Rut row. <laughs> it's the Scooby Doo setting. <laughs> zoinks! 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 <laughs> So the dark one was old Mr. Rogers are in a mask afterwards. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it too. Remember your for your kids and your sangreal. These kids. Uh, hey, uh, and what like for, I should say there's two guys, two girls, and a dog. <laughs> you're right. You're right, you're right, you're right, Parents, and you're right, you're right. Parents, Scooby. Right? Matt is shaggy. He's the one that runs away from danger. Rand is Fred. He's not there for it, right? So you realize that makes Bella the van. Yes. <laughs> I have no problem with this. Yep. I guess the question is, is who's Velma and who's Daphne? Oh, well, remember, Fred and Daphne, it's kind of been a, a on-off thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Okay. And and Velma's the the smart one, so knows yeah. so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. She's got a lot. Now of I wisdom. just need Egwene yeah. saying jinkies. <laughs> the only problem I'm seeing with that is Velma is a nice person. I don't know that. It, I, I would say that Velma's been uh, like sardonic with people who deserved it <laughs> in different <laughs> episodes. <laughs> Have you watched the Mindy Kaling series? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It doesn't, doesn't exist. I watched it's only a two story. or three episodes and I'm sad I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've gone from Voltron that was a fun to little digression. I like it. <laughs> Ruark has lost complete control of this podcast. <laughs> I don't I, I think I'll come back in an hour and see where you guys are at. The point of doing these reduxes is to look for like additional insights, right? 
yeah, this is the yeah. kind of additional insight quality <laughs> that our audience are hoping to, to, to hear from us. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I want to say this one more time because I want, I want Ruark's brain working on this. Second season will introduce Scrappy. You know who's <gasps> going to be introduced in the second season, Ruark. So let your brain start figuring out who's going to be Scrappy. Who's the Scrappy? Who's the Scrappy do? Loyal. Oh, oh no, no, you can't tell us. No, Loyal's already been introduced. Because don't forget, Scrappy turns into a villain. We don't hate Loyal. Wait, Scrappy turns into a villain? Uh, yeah, in the movie. Was in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. It was at the second There was one. a movie? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, is, it is actually worth seeing. The movie is worth seeing. And it is. Wait, a, is, it, a, is this a, the one with Matthew Lillard? Yep. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, there are two of them. There are two of them. So. Yes. I can't remember which one Scrappy's the villain one, but first one. Okay. Because right. it's there. They aren't talking to each other yet, and the island brings them all together. I know too much about this kind of stuff, so just go back to other <laughs> stories. <laughs> all I remember was seeing an outtake where Velma did like a striptease scene, and and I was yeah, like, that, oh. it was I originally they were two. going for an R rated. They were they were going for an R rating, but the studio you know cut all of those. I I just remember a Velma striptease scene, and that is seared in my brain. Seared, seared in into my brain, in a good way, very very good way. Yes. Anyways. Anyway. (laughs) God damn it! (laughs) (sighs) Wheel of time. Have fun editing this one. Back to the show. So then we we go to Min's Tavern. We get to Perrin and the group in there, and she asks if they want a drink. And Perrin's like, it's not even noon yet. And she's like, hey, you're the ones who came into a bar. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, she has a point. I like Min. Yeah. She's sarcastic. <laughs> what are you doing here otherwise? So they ask about Rand. You know, did he come to you? Did you tell him he's the dragon? She's like, look. I, there's seer dragon confidentiality clauses. I can't get into it. <laughs> and, NDA, uh, no dragon admittance. <laughs> so uh, they they ask her a little bit, and she says, "Look, everything that I see comes true." And then, as soon as she says that, uh, she starts seeing people in the room collapsing and dying, and we hear uh, an air horn go toot. And all the soldiers jump up and rush out of the room. Yep. Shit is going down. So then we get back to Rand and Moraine in the Blight, and they see the Trollop army heading towards Tarwin's Gap. Trollop? Did you say the Trollop army? Yeah, my my uh, my autocorrect likes to change Trolloc into Trollop, <laughs> and I I don't try to I don't try to correct it. It it's a good visual. I like it. <laughs> it's like that one gremlin in gremlins 2 that's got all the makeup on yeah that's yeah, yeah there I, you go <laughs> that's kind of how i picture that and rand is like we got to go help them and maureen's like uh, they're on their own now yolo let's let's keep going i don't I, you know I, I was trying to figure out the other day why have i given maureen this whole just like doesn't care yolo attitude to everything and and <laughs> I, I think it's because anytime somebody asks her a direct question, she's just like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just being noncommittal to avoid telling a lie. 
That I was going to say, that's one of the ways she gets around her oath to not lie. She just doesn't answer at all. <laughs> yeah. She just responds with anger and then people are like, oh, shit. Walks away. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a very valid point. I like that. Mm -hmm. So then we get to uh, Egomar Uno et al. And the Trollocs are coming. The drawbridge ropes have been cut and we have dark friends in, in the keep. You better go get a get a fumigation tent and, and put it over. They the get everywhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Once they get in the fridge, it's really a problem. Um and see one and you've means you've got a whole nest. There's, there's yeah. fifty more in the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh Egomar says, I'm going down to the gap and you know what to do, homies. And his homies are like, yo, <laughs> I love that he uses homies. That's 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 canon now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got to have the hip lingo to go with the hip jacket. Oh, of course. That is yeah. a good, good jacket. Uh, did, DW, did you just admit that was a good jacket? I said it's a good jacket. It is not the best jacket. We all know what the best jacket is, but it's a good jacket. Uh, I'm not going to not give it some credit. <laughs> I'm glad you won't be fighting over the set decorations. <laughs> 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 have your favorites. Hey, hey, there are enough jackets to go around. Everybody can have yeah, a jacket. Yeah, if I'm the only one that wants Toms, then that's fine. Nobody's going to fight me for Oh, it. I don't think you're the only one who wants Toms. But I <laughs> no. think everybody is just, this is at this fantasy. point just going I'm to going. let you have it. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously want Toms the most. Uh, so then Rand and Moraine arrive at the Eye of the World, and Rand tells her to stay out. Um, and she says, no, because I don't trust you not to be a dumbass. I am the dumbass insurance is why I'm here. Dumbass mutual. <laughs> the dumbass whisperer. <laughs> it, does, it does show his character, though, that yeah. he like went off into the blight without any of his friends, intentionally left behind the people he cares about so that they would survive. And now he's kind of making the same offer to her, even though they aren't close. Yeah. Because he's a big goddamn hero. Well, it shows how much he has to lose. Mm -hmm. Like, if the madness takes him and he turns into a monster, like, he's, mm -hmm. you know, very much, a, in, in spite of being, you know, 20 years old and uh, occasionally a bit of a hothead, he's still a, a good kid underneath it all. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shows how, you know, how much he has to lose if he succumbs to the madness. And I mean this not sarcastically at all. Um, it does put where his friends rank versus Moraine that she was a second thought. The first was, you know, I need to protect my friends. And then it's like, well, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I should offer to protect you as well. Well, he, he did technically need somebody to take him to the eye. He That boy would have gone anyways. He wouldn't have made it, but he would have like <laughs> tried to do it on his own anyways. Yeah. I think that's more that he's smart enough to know when he needs people to help him. He isn't as blinded by pride as his previous incarnation was. Valid. Maybe True. or maybe learned, you know, on this rotation of the wheel. He doesn't have full custody of the dumbass stick in this episode. Mm -hmm. Could it be a case of uh, he was found by Ma and Pa Kent and they raised him to be proper? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like I like that idea actually the fact that he was raised um by a simple sheep herder simple <laughs> simple mm. sheep herder <laughs> It's Kalel raised by Jonathan Kent 
Yeah. Yeah. You didn't see what Jonathan Kent did in the war. And, and just on a side tangent there, I bring that up because in my opinion, Jonathan and Martha Kent are the biggest heroes in the DC universe. And I will stand by this till my dying day. Mm-hmm. And I say that because they are the biggest heroes simply by being good people. And by being good people, they took somebody who could have been a god and could have enslaved the entire planet without even thinking twice about it and made them a good person too. This is true. You're very, you're very, very right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. To me, if if you want to piss me off, you go after Ma Kent. That's like, mm, mm-hmm. no. Why did you say that name? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My ma was also named Ma. <laughs> <laughs> you have same ma as Narg? <laughs> Narg's ma also named Ma. Why you say we bring name? Bizarro into this? That's Narg. <laughs> I know, but it sounded like Bizarro. Because <laughs> Frolics talk like Bizarro. I Superman don't know. Superman have same ma as Bizarro? I call her Om. <laughs> I was about to make that joke. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. And once again, we break Ruach. <laughs> All right, your turn to put them back together, Axel. If they both called their mother mom, then Bizarro and Superman would be able to. That's true. Palindromes, the, the, the bridging language between Bizarro. And Bizarro world and, yeah. Uh, palindromes. Are you looking for the clue? Or the or the uh, Look, looking for where the the conversation went. Yeah, I'm I'm looking so, for yeah. the the tracks around. <laughs> Long. We've gone. been off them for a while. Yeah, we may have to back up a bit. <laughs> Try now. <laughs> All right, here we go. So then we and we see that Lan is indeed following, and he is in the blight, and he sees the seven towers, and has has that has uh, a moment. Yeah, he he reminds me of uh, Iron Eyes Cody in that moment. Slight tear. Yes. Lan makes an actual expression. Yes, this is true. So you know, you know, it hit hard. I kind of fascinating that that Daniel Henney plays this man who does not show his feelings and yet somehow manages to emote so clearly. It's fascinating to watch him do it. To a certain extent, is a master's class in acting. Mm-hmm. The micro expressions, just like one muscle twitch in the side of his face and you can just see where his thoughts are. It's absolutely amazing. So we get to Egomar and Amalisa. Um, Egomar is leaving the the fancy family armor behind because, well, he knows he's going down to the to the gap to die. He says the men will hold the gap, and if they don't, the women will hold the city. And uh, she says the city won't hold. This is five times more Trollocs than we've ever seen before. And that's when he says, you were right. We should have asked the tower for help. Tarman Gaidon is here, the last battle. We're boned. He admits he was wrong. You know it's the end times. Not only that he was wrong, but that she was right. I've noticed that nobody yet has said anything about uh, the final battle, what they're calling Tarman Gaidon. 
Well, we know it's not, in fact, the final battle. Well, we know that they are not actually There's fighting in Tarman Daigon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm just that name, Tarman Gaidon. Do you see anything there? Do you hear anything there? Tarvalon, Gaidon, Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the 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 uh, Aerosmith song to sing. Don't want to close my eyes. Don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing. Going to have to help us out here, man. Yeah. 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 Armageddon. Okay. What was that? Is it Armageddon. Hey, there you go. Oh, okay. That was a Def Leppard song. Armageddon. But it's from the movie. That song was in the movie Armageddon. Okay. I get it. All right. Yeah. It was it was a, it was better hidden than some of the other uh, sli- sli- slights of names that have yeah. been used. Gotcha. Yeah, that was one that I didn't pick up for the longest time either. And then when I did, I was like, "Oh God damn it!" Probably going to edit all that out because that was really bad, and nobody needs to hear me sing Aerosmith. <laughs> I think we should leave that in. I think we should raise more money for koalas by uh, releasing <laughs> that song, putting, putting together the Ruark album of you know, of random I shit that I that album. random songs. Mm-hmm. So then we're back to Rand and more rain, and Rand says, "Well, what is this? What is the eye of the world? What 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 is this thing?" And she says, "We don't know because all the records were purged from from the tower library by dark friends." So we don't actually have records of what this place was. I'm just fascinated by the concept that there are dark friends active in the tower. I I think there's a whole like storyline off in the future mm-hmm. somewhere that will center around the actions of dark friends in the tower because that's pretty cool. I wouldn't let that one lie. I mean, and that's that's a pretty big um, loss to 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 have had like all your records destroyed. Either they were really really deep, or it was really really surprising. And yeah, want to know more about that? Some brown ashes went green on the day. <laughs> I know librarians. That would not go down well. No. So Rand sees. Um... Loose there and and Ishamayel facing off in the middle of the chamber and it, and it, it seems like it's a memory that he's bringing back. Um, and then he touches the eye, uh, right in right in the center of the room where the 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 uh, Aes Sedai symbol is standing on that seal. He reaches down and touches it, and that's when he goes into this this alternate reality dream shard kind of place. Um, and he sees a Shamael there and Shamael's like, Hey kid, Hey, want to buy a baby? Only cost you <laughs> one reality. Okay. Just, I got a deal for you. One reality. You get this baby. I will throw in this entire farmstead and a wife. Just one reality. That's all it's going to cost you. This is what you can do. You can live happily ever after. Everything's great. Why would you want to do anything else? Yeah. Egwene in this little reality says she's going to run off to make Matt a lantern to give to Joya because you know that Matt is is going to screw up and not have a lantern in time for for the festival. Um, and this is the point where, as as you all pointed out, re- 
uh, in the last episode, this is where Min's prophecy comes true with Rand. She's, there's the image of Rand holding the baby right there. Yep. I'm kind of curious as to what Ishamael's game plan was. Like, was he just going to leave Rand sealed off in this little pocket universe where he's harmless? And but I, I think the idea is that he's saying, hey, Rand, this is what you, the dragon, can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if I will teach you how to be all you can be, and then you can have all of this. It'll be great. Just, you know, let's buddy up, guy. And that was kind of the point. Like, this is, this is, this is the pro, this is, you know, this is the outcome if you join my side. I mean, at this point, we know that Ishamael is the father of lies, as you know, um, embodied in Stepan's little um, statues. For a second there, I thought you were you were doing a Mori Povich there, and like Ishamael is the father. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is not Darth Vader. He's not Rand's father. No, he's more Palpatine. Palpatine talking. <laughs> yeah. Anakin. The Midichlorians got to the mom, and. Um, When Stepan was doing his, you know, banishing, uh, he was saying, I need to keep away the Shamael, the father of lies, because I need to see clearly. So Shamael, if Shamael is the father of lies, everything that comes out of his face is... Is, is sus. Yeah. Sus- I mean, at and, least suspect. Yeah. So, so I'm operating under the assumption that whatever he's offering Rand, Rand is not actually going to get it. He's not really offering to say i can you know create this peaceful world for you he's either going to destroy it in front of his face or he's just going to create this little um internal universe where where rand isn't bothering him so then we get uh, a quick view of the gap where trollocs and shinarans are just kind of having a stare down and I think they're they're all like you know well I I don't know how do we how do we fight with COVID restrictions like do we have to stay ten feet while we're fighting or or what do we do here guys? Unfortunately, that's where they have the wall. Like they've got the wall, social distancing right there. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but they feel like to try to break social distancing because the dark one is in fact Donald Trump. I th- I think that's I think that's. Uh, um, that's actually quite rude to the dark one. I, I think you. Sh- I think you need to apologize to the dark one for that one. Father of lies, everything he says is a lie. I mean, like, should let me down the, this path? I don't think he'd admit he's the father to anything, <laughs> including his own kids. <laughs> I wouldn't claim Eric either. To be fair. To, to be, be fair. fair. <laughs> to be fair. Uh, uh, so. <laughs> Should we just start a Letterkenny podcast at this point? Yeah, we might as well at this point. <laughs> so then we're at the gates of the city, and Amalisa says, leave the gates open one more hour to allow all the foreigners to leave, and uh, every Shinarin is going to stay and fight. She says, light every torch. We're not going to have any fades sneaking into the keep tonight. Yeah, well. Um, and then she says... There weren't torches everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, don't and then she says, the uh, anybody that you can round up that can even touch the one power, even don't care how little, send them to me outside the gates. And A trickle. Yes. Uh, then we get uh, a flash to the throne room with Uno and, and all his buddies, and they 
start digging up the horn. We don't know it's the horn yet, but they start digging it up. So then we get to Eggy, Nynaeve, and P-Dog, and uh, they're saying we should run. No, we should stay. No, we should run. And uh, they say they're asking for any women who can channel, and Eggy and Nynaeve are like, well, that's us. Let's go. And so they go to find Amalisa. Heron kind of wanders around like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm trying to be a peaceful person and there's war and how do you be peaceful in war? And I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm scared. And uh, Heron looks to Loyal and Loyal's like, well, I had a friend once. His name was Frederick Rogers. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> if you look, you can always find the people who are helping. <laughs> and when you find the helpers, you can ask them, what can I do to help? <laughs> and then you will find your place. And then you will change your shoes and sweat. I am delighted to think of... Um, Mr. Rogers being in the Wheel of Time universe. <laughs> he lives in one of the steadings. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he would absolutely oh. live in the steading. It's a beautiful day in the steading hood. <laughs> beautiful day for a steading. So then we're back to Rand in, in his little dream shard universe. And uh, Rand is like, you know, everything here is kind of sus. And so he turns to Egwene and he's like, what number am I thinking of? And she's like, free. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're right. That's not sus at all. Damn, you know, you know me. You can think. You're at least a complicated illusion. And Ishii then hits the pause button and says, time to decide if you want your, your wife and your child or, or, you know, all of reality. So then we're back in the eye of the world and is going to try to take a, a stab at Ishii. And uh, Ishii sees it coming and, and looks like he... Uh, Ties her off. He 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 puts a block on her and then ties it off. It's kind of neat how they showed it because, like, when she struck at him, you could see the weaves of magic forming spikes, and then he like shoves them back into her body, and it looked like it hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to assume that that uh, her striking out at him was pure reflex because she could not logically have thought that she could hurt him. I mean, when you're facing down what you think is the personification of all evil in the universe, I don't think logic matters, you know? No. No, it's, you gotta shoot your shot, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, Ishamael is taunting Moraine, and uh, she pulls out a dagger and puts it at, at Rand's throat. And says, I'm not going to let you have him. So even if he makes a choice to be with you, I'm still going to slit his throat. Um, and Ishii seems to be a little bit concerned about that idea. A step that he hadn't considered. Yeah. Somebody using something as primitive as a knife. Frankly, I think that's the only time we actually see genuine concern on his face. So that tells me he, he doesn't actually want Rand dead. Yeah. Like I think he needs to. He wants to use Rand to drive the destruction of the world. He needs that power. 
it also kind of like looks back on how they've tried to establish in the story so far that Moraine has a streak of ruthlessness in her. Um, like the the thing with the um, the ferryman, mm-hmm. the incident with the ferryman, and um, I'm trying to think of another example. Uh, her sending the Red Sisters after Matt. There is a streak of of willing to do what needs to be done, and that yep. she will cut his throat. Like she may like him, she may you know believe that he's a good person that he is going to make the right choice but she's not fucking around she's not taking any chances uh then we get some very quick scenes going by we get uh first p-dog and loyal they show up to help dig in in the crow room everywhere anywhere he wants (laughs) like yeah there's guards at the door they don't even try and stop him it's like oh well it's a builder builder gets to go wherever the builder wants to go exactly the ultimate backstage pass would you try to stop an Ogier? They're very polite. They probably would stop if you told them, you know, you didn't want them to do something. I I personally get the feeling that Ogier are probably very polite until they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be nice until it's time. But there's but there's nice. there's there's not even any attempt. It's just kind of like, oh well, he's a builder. So the builder goes, the the builder's friend goes as well. There's no question that he belongs wherever he is. Then we jump over to Eggy and Nynaeve, and uh, they show up to help fight with, with Amalisa. And then we jump over to Egomar, who very quickly dies. Because he didn't wear the lucky armor. Because he didn't wear the lucky armor, yeah. I don't know if the lucky armor could have saved him in that situation. No, 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 no. It was the lucky armor. He should have used the lucky armor. It didn't, it didn't save... Uh, Amalisa. Amalisa. Well, that was attack from within. Armor is to prevent yeah. attack from without. Uh-huh. This is true. This is true. That that was way deeper than I actually intended it to be. Right <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you made us think. Oh man, I'm. It's not what I signed up for. <laughs> um, just the scene where um, Egomar dies. Um, just because uh, before we do the Redux podcast, I always go back and listen to our original taping and the scene with Egomeyer and Amelisa. I pontificated for like 20 minutes about that scene. <laughs> I had a lot of feelings about that scene. Even now, like rewatching it, Egomeyer comes across as incredibly arrogant and, you know, up until up until that scene between the two of them, he's very dismissive of his sister's contribution. But at the same time, I feel almost like he has earned some of that arrogance because he goes out in the wall knowing that he's going to die. And he refuses to let his soldiers go down without him. Like, there's some spine underneath all those feathers. Yeah, I mean, you got to figure this guy has been in charge of guarding the gap from Trolloc invasion. Like he is, there is no more on the front lines of the battle with the shadow than, you know, being the commander of Faldara keep. So yeah, he does have a little bit of reason to have that, that point of view that he has of I'm awesome. And you don't need to tell me what to do. Cause 
He's been he doing really it. has proven that he's awesome and doesn't need somebody to tell him what he's, to do. He's but been doing it. Yeah, it, it, at some point you do still need to listen to other people around you. And that moment came just a little bit too late. Yeah, well. So then back at our dream chart, uh, where Ishii is trying to sell Rand a fake baby. And uh, Rand asks, well, how do I make it real? And then we jump out to the eye of the world, where Ishii's walking around Moraine, who still has Rand ready to die. And we see Ishamael kind of in both places at once, dealing with Moraine and dealing with Rand in, in this alternate dimensional dream shard. Well, if anybody can multitask, you got to give it to the Dark Lord. Yeah. Uh, then we get back to the keep and you hear some uh, some street kids running through going, Fane coming! <laughs> uh, and then we see uh, Pad and Fane. Sure enough, he shows up. He's got the, the secret door knock and the magic whistle and he's got a couple of Aids as his backup. Um, up until this point, we just see Padden Fane kind of on his own doing his own thing. When we see him show up leading a couple of fades, what goes through your head? He's not so unaffiliated. He's also he's obviously fairly high ranking in among the Dark One's forces because the fade do what he tells them to. Which kind of seems more than he seemed to be at first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's moving like he's moving like he's in charge, and he knows what's what. Very different like presentation than everything we'd seen him his behavior prior to this. Yeah. This isn't casual. This isn't this casual malevolence. This is TCB. TCB isn't that taking care of taking care of business. That's oh, <laughs> not TCBY. That's, that's oh it. right. Okay, okay, okay. So then we switch back to our throne room real quick, and they break through and get get the horn out from under the the throne. And then we jump back to the gap, and the trollocs break through. And uh, Amalisa and, and the girls are all standing out there. And that's when Amalisa says, open yourself to the power. Let me, re re let me embrace the power through you. And she makes a circle. And we see immediately that she is shocked by, by the amount of power that she's just drawn into yeah, herself. She was not expecting to get the, uh, to get the full force. Yeah, she was expecting, you know, five people who can barely channel a trickle that might equal one good Aes Sedai, and, mm -hmm. and she ends up with Fire hose. She gets the two naive. most powerful channelers <laughs> that anybody's seen in a thousand <laughs> right. years in her circle. Yeah. She was not prepared. And then uh, we go back to the throne room again, and Perrin, see, Perrin sees Fane off the side of the, troll, the throne room and uh, goes chasing off after him. Goes chasing off after him without a weapon. He kind of gives a side glance at a weapon and like thinks, "I'm not violent now." So he he goes unarmed. Yeah, I actually had missed that the first time around. That he sees a weapon and makes the choice not to not to take yeah, it. Yeah, I mean they show it. It's it's. I thought that was it's that was neat. Chekhov's battle axe, you know. Well, at this point, 
he has not actually seen Pat and Fane with Trollocs or with Fades. He has not seen Pat and Fane do anything untoward. He's just glanced and seen Pat and Fane in, in the streets and, and off the side of the throne room. So he's just like, oh, it's, it's that dude from back home, not, oh, it, it's this really high-ranking dark friend. You know? But he, do, he does give a glance, and they do... You know, focus in but on the. He, but on he does the know that there is a battle going on, <laughs> and he's wandering the the streets of of Faldaro without a weapon. No, wandering the wandering the keep, wandering the you know near the throne room. It's like, um, yeah, something something ain't ain't right here. Uh, then we get back to the dream shard, and Ishamael is telling Rand how he can make it real. He said, just take all of your pain and all of your fear and all of your sadness and turn it into want. Turn it into desire, and you can want her into a, into existence. We get the scene of him talking to Moraine, and he says he's channeling, and you don't even know why. So then we jump back to the gap, and uh, Amalisa keeps pulling in more and more and more of the power and the other women are starting to look terrified. And we go back to the dream shard where Rand himself is also amassing all kinds of power. Um, little does Ishamael know amassing power also through a saw on Grial. You see it start to glow through his pocket. And then uh, we jump back to the gap one more time, and Amalisa releases, and all of the trollops go splody. Yay, splody. <laughs> Call back to Manetherin, just uh, because according to Moraine's story, the queen wiped out all the trollops with a rain of fire and killed herself in the process. Yeah. Yeah, seems very, very similar, that's for sure. Um and we see the first woman in the circle burn out as, as her eyes just turn to embers, it looks like. Um, simultaneously, in the dream shard, Rand is unleashing all of his power at Ishamael. Um, and Ishamael, if you notice, looks completely ecstatic before he disappears. And the seal that Rand is standing on cracks. Uh, we jump back to the keep, and we've got Perrin searching for Pod and Fane. Um, he comes, he he f runs around, comes back to the throne room, and finds Pod and Fane and the Fades killing Loyal and Uno and everybody else, or we presume to be killing, and running off with the horn. So when I when I re-listened to the podcast uh, we did about this episode, the it was D.W. who was the one who first twigged. To the idea that the seal was actually broken and letting something out rather than sealing something away. And there reference to the dark friends in the towers. I'm wondering, like, this whole thing was a plot to release him? Like, you know, the dragon has to seal away the dark one, that it was the dark one in the in, that was encaged and not Ishmael that like the, the, the dreams that the um, Swan was having, like this whole thing was a plot to get him out. So I think it was a dual plan. I think the plan was to, you know, if we can turn him great, if we can't, 
then let's do this on a spot where the seal breaks. <laughs> and and what do we think the seal breaking accomplished? I would so we talk about the fact that they sealed away the uh, the, the the dark one. So I would imagine there's probably more than just one seal to this, and this was one of the seals that locked in the dark one. I I think the whole sealing away the dark the dark one was always red herring that it was that it's not the dark one it's the forsaken his servants that are sealed away because one of the things that Ruark has mentioned and this stuck with me is that the dark one is outside the circle the dark one can't actually touch the circle but he has actors who can so he so the forsaken are are his actors they're like um his minions you know the yeah, exactly. Yeah. I always saw the seal not as much as like a chain locking up this person, or this this entity, but as a as you said outside the wheel, this was the access to the wheel and they blocked the access to the wheel for the dark one. Now there's still oh, the a- the agents and minions and everybody running around going, "Hey, we miss our big guy." And they're trying to break open those seals to reconnect and regain the power of the dark one. Um, but I, it, that does not mean I'm right. And, and you bring an interesting idea that it's actually many of his, or maybe even like some of his generals locked away or something. But That's, that's an interesting way. Yeah. I want to go back to uh, the episode, uh, the, the, the very, very heavy episode with Steppen. Mm-hmm. Um, back when Lan and Steppen were in, Steppen's room together and Steppen was playing with his forsaken action figures. And he says, do you believe it? Do you believe any of it? But, and, and, uh, Lan says, yes, the dark one and, and the forsaken were sealed away by the previous dragon. Then he says, forever's a long time. They're not dead. They're just we put up a wall. <laughs> so I'll just come right out and say it. When Luz Theron and the hundred companions sealed away the dark one, they also were able to seal away the forsaken at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that means the forsaken are also going to be able to come out. They may think like likely coming out before the dark one as harbingers of, uh, the final war, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh, and an interesting idea. If they've been locked away with the dark one for that long, you know, as much as, as humanity has the chance or, or whatever, I don't know if they they can call themselves humans. I don't know if there's a difference in that with this story. Um, but the people of this world, if they have advanced over time, is it possible that the dark one and the forsaken have also advanced? So they're going to come out even more evil and even more deformed and whatever than when they were locked up. They've been sitting on that other side in jail, just working on the muscle, you know, toning and, and uh, the weightlifting as much as they can. They're, they're ready for this fight in the yard. Exactly. So, so they're going to come out all, all yoked with a six pack. Totally. Okay. Magically speaking, of course, (laughs) got a magical six pack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's on their brain it's right right in the forehead <laughs> i gotta work on my magical core hold on 
so got to do some magical planks, crossfit man, that'll, uh, yeah i'm gonna do some magical planking right now yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> the magical bad tattoos and yeah so we think the seal breaking is is going to let at least a forsaken loose ish is kind of what i'm i'm hearing from you so my prediction is that this let Ishmael out, and now the next couple of seasons are going to be him letting out the others. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, you see that? So you think that this was the seal that was holding Ishmael, and that by breaking this, he's going to be able to do more than just invade dreams. Yeah, he now has a physical presence in the world, hmm. and he's going to start working on getting the others out. And we're going to start meeting the other. The other forsaken. That's my prediction for the so, next. So you're saying prior to this, he only was able to touch them through dreams. Yeah. Okay. And and through dreams was commanding dark friends what to do. So, as as a as a telling of the story, like looking at it from that angle, I would have liked if that is the direction it goes. I would have liked for there to be some like showing of this when they got there that there was like a small crack, like something happened recently that let him able to get out that much that doesn't work in the way that the seals work okay um just because the seals are made out of a substance called quendiar which uh -huh. i've i've talked about before yes yeah, i remember is, that conversation yeah it's absolutely indestructible like beyond indestructible anything you can think of to do to it is just going to actually make it stronger but then so if it goes that route then i'll word it this way if it goes that route then i i would love to see some something that happened or some way that ashamaya was able to get out as much as he was because otherwise why weren't we seeing this you know more than three thousand years ago or less than three thousand years ago but but closer to the time this happened why it's did it take three thousand years to get those people? Yeah, he was he was working out the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't I can't say no to that. It was my theory. <laughs> Does the term waffo mean anything to you? Waffo, waffo. Watch and find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait and see, as Mister Gammon. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is there are answers coming to these questions that you're asking. I figured. But we're still going to debate them and talk about them. Oh, oh no, no, absolutely, absolutely. How up to date is our spreadsheet? <laughs> I'm just saying, when you get too close, when you get too close to the third rail, I have to steer it away. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and then, well, and that—that's part of the weirdness of this podcast, which I think is a credit to this podcast, is the fact that not many times can you have a clear debate about something while the answer is actually out there with a group of people who are educated to an extent, but don't want the extra info. Yeah. That, that is a weird oh, yeah. pocket. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know the answer until yeah, I see it. I want to learn the answer as it goes, <laughs> but I want to theorize about it like mad. I want to do my, I want my victory dances to be earned. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time I go on Google, I feel like, you know, Ishmael talking to Moraine. It's like, how does it feel knowing it's, right there at your fingertips but you just can't touch it <laughs> <laughs> yup so then we're back at the gap getting some jeans yes picking up the jeans um Nynaeve is yelling at Amelisa to stop they've defeated all the trollops and uh Amelisa says all the trollops are well cooked 
I'll, yes, got all yeah. the scallops too. Um, Amelisa says she can't let go, and uh, Egwene is yelling that she's burning out. Uh-huh. And and we see the second channeler die at this time. Also, Amelisa is saying, "I can feel the whole world, every breath and gust and stone and and life." I think this is the scene that really pulls into sharp focus the the addiction metaphor that is contained within the one power. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you can just see that, that she, she can tell that she is pulling too much and that she's going to kill herself and she does not care. She just, she just wants that, that bigger hit. I, I was hoping somebody else had something to say about that. In your no, analysis. no, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> I think it's just an accurate description. We're all like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. And you pretty much summed it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, where else are you going to go with that except for a tasteless joke? And actually, I don't want to make one right now. Yeah, okay, so. fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and then uh, Nynaeve grabs Egwene and she says the same thing that she said to her during the braid ceremony. To be a woman is to be always alone and never alone. And she seems to pull some of the the what was causing Egwene to burn out out of her and, and rechannel it through herself. To, to, I'm I'm not sure exactly how that worked. This is somewhere outside of of known uh, uh, metaphysics in this world, so I'm not entirely certain how this went down. Sucking out the poison, so to speak. Amelisa then burns out spectacularly. Um, yeah, quite spectacularly. And then in the throne room, we get Fane talking to Perrin. He's like, hey, do you really think I went all the way out to West Shitburg every it's goddamn Shitburg. bell time just to sell fucking lanterns? Like, seriously, you think I went out to your little cow pasture every bloody year for lanterns? You really think that's why I was there? <laughs> lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> Say again, lanterns. Lanterns. He says, no, there were five to Viren there. And my boss wanted me to keep an eye on it because there's like one or two in a generation usually, but there's five in one village. That's what Moraine saw. That's what my master saw. And apparently everybody else in the world is just a friggin' idiot. He said, we sent the trollops to, to get you, not to kill you. Um, and then he said, we need the dark. We need the balance. And he said, because of that balance, it means some of you are going to turn to the shadow. And then we uh, see a scene of Matt showing up in Tarvalon. Hmm. Wonder what that's all about. There's, there's obviously an inference there that they want you to, they want you to grab onto. I think Padden Fan is full of shit. I don't think that he, I think that the party line is that he's doing it because you know, the world needs balance. That's the excuse that he uses. But I think he just likes being in this important role. He likes power. He's having fun. If he was working for the light, he'd just be a dude. But because he's working for the dark, he gets to be a leader. And he gets to kind of do what he wants. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of that uh, going around in this series. And you've got the the White Cloaks, kind of the same thing. Yeah, if you're you're just fighting for the side of good without reservation, you're just 
just another soldier, but mm-hmm. you can join these people and become important. Right. Why be a peon in that army if I can be a commander in this army? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though this army is in charge of doing some really shitty things. Yep. Yeah. I, I can dig it. Uh, then we jump back to the eye of the world. Uh, we've got Rand talking to Moraine, and he says he's felt the madness. He says, I, I just channeled a whole bunch, and I felt the madness. And uh, I'm just going to go pull a cane from Kung Fu. Um, <laughs> you tell everybody whatever they need to hear, but I'm 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 going to go. Uh, I'm going to turn on this 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 sad Hulk music, and then uh, just walk away into the distance. <laughs> And no, that that's that's Jurassic Park. Actually, no, that was that was uh, the the tune from uh, Young Frankenstein. Oh, oh, sweet mystery of a life at love. Never mind. <laughs> I do wonder if the original plan was that Moraine would uh, try and and um, not still still is for women. Um, Gentle him. Do not go gentle in that good night. I mean, she can't because she's. Yeah, she bound. doesn't have the ability to now. But I wonder if that had originally been part of her oh, plan. Oh, so you think if, if they had survived, her plan would be well, as soon as he's done, I'll still, still him. Kind yeah. Of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Because she knows the madness is coming for him. Then we get back to the throne room and. and Bane is saying, see, all I had to do is push a little and you went all dark when, when Perrin gets all ready to uh, get all wolfy on, on Bane, I guess. Go. But the, uh, there's a joke here and I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> Going all bear wolf. That like an owl bear? Bear wolf. Bear bear. Man wolf. Where bear? Bear bear. Castle. <laughs> what knockers? <laughs> nobody ever asks why bear no no one ever asks why bear you're right it's very disrespectful so yeah fane does does his little uh yeah i'm just doing this for balance we'll go with that speech um mm-hmm. i have to say fane to me in this is really coming off like loki to me yeah, yeah. very yeah. very much like i'm just doing this because it's fun yeah, yeah. For the lulls. Like, the more I can stir the pot, the better. I'm just going to do whatever I find the most entertaining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Agent of chaos. Then uh, back at the Eye of the World, Lan arrives. Uh, Rand is gone, and that's when Lan discovers that uh, Moraine is shielded, and this giant piece of Quendiar has just shattered. Which is supposed to be impossible. Um, and they did not explain it very well in the show, but yeah, it... The seal was made of Quendiar, which is an unbreakable substance, and somehow it is shattered. I didn't do it. <laughs> all right, I, I, what, what are, what are all of your alibis? Where were you <laughs> at the time? I was not alive at the time. Any more thoughts or questions about Quendiar? How is it made? If you can't break it, how do you shape it? Quendiar, everything in the world that currently exists that's Quendiar was made in the Age of Legends. So nobody knows. 
it, it, it was made using a process using the one power in some way, but nobody has remembers that process. I would imagine it involved using the one source, which is why I would imagine that the using of the one source is what broke it. Yeah, as I was saying before, any anything that one does to Quendiar, it's kind of like vibranium, I guess. Anything you do to it, the the force that you put into it just strengthens it instead. Got it. So it, it literally is is a case of once it is made, it cannot be unmade. It will it will last beyond the heat death of the universe. So that's pretty intense. Yeah, so the fact that this one is is broken somehow. Some shit has gone down. Yeah. Uh, that that that's that's a something to be concerned about more than just, oh, look at that. Something that that should not be breakable has plumb and broken. Something yeah. not according to plan has occurred. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Treating it like it's a chip in a manhole cover isn't really, you know, conveying that. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in this, you know, in in this iteration, yeah, that that was like I said. There was a lot about this last episode that I feel because of the the jumble at the last moment with COVID and everything got kind of rushed, and and that's one of them is is the explanation of the, of the Quendiar and and what that all is because I don't think anybody who just watched the show has any clue what that was all about without some kind of explanation. And luckily we had you. So then we go back to the gap and, uh, Eggy, uh, heals Nynaeve somehow. Through the power of friendship. I looked really closely this time. I paid a lot of attention and yes, Nynaeve was not completely burned out because I noticed that the other women, when they went completely burned out, these like, their eyeballs and everything in that area just went completely like cinders. Yeah. Whereas Nynaeve, it went dark around her eyes, but it not turned completely cinders. Her eyes were still in existence. So yeah, she of, had not burned entirely out just 98% of the way there. Yeah. She had an extreme smoky eye, but yeah. Yeah. She was ready for the goth club. That's for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, which was another thing that, that Rafe himself has admitted was kind of a, they were rushed and the makeup didn't quite, didn't quite put across what they were trying to put across. And everybody's like, how did they, how did Nynaeve get healed from death? But she wasn't actually dead and it wasn't supposed to imply that only she was dead, mostly but, dead. Yeah. Only, only mostly. mostly. I've, 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 I got better. <laughs> it was a flesh wound. Exactly. Yes. So then we get our final scene, our big cliffhanger, a watery cliffhanger, cliff of water, as it were, um, leading into next season, which, of course, was our Sean Chan attack on that poor little girl. Next season's going to begin with her wiping out the whole army. I know it. Yeah, they, 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 they're just going to be a, a side note. <laughs> she just holds up her hand and the wave turns around and just all these empty ships trashed and she just like burps a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's the real evil sitting there with those advanced physics books 
She's the real threat. She's the dark one. (laughs) (laughs) I always knew it would be a little girl. Those things are evil, man. (laughs) Um, So did we notice anything new about the Sean Chan? Did we study them a little more? Kind of try to pick any details out or, or just try to figure out if they look cool or anything? Speaking for myself, I'm trying not to too much try and guess what they are because I don't want to have any preconceived things that I then have to get rid of. So I'm kind of, I'm at that cliffhanger of like, I want to see what they are. I want them to tell me what they are because what we've gotten so far, I don't feel is enough to really make any locked in decisions on. I feel confident in saying that I predict they will be a complication. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think they're gonna just live in peace they brought some food they wanted to share (laughs) they're gonna be at best a c plot (laughs) Uh, Rourke, you wanted to say something let's go go with you uh. (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm ashamed um no, I was going to say uh, the the designs of their their armor and their ships and their clothing and and all of that was there anything there that you found fascinating or interesting or or off kilter or the facial makeup tattoo thing looked very scaly and serpent like. I thought it was very striking, but I thought that last time. <laughs> I don't know that I picked out any. Did you notice the, the spikes all over the ship railings? The guards with these masks that uh, look sort of like venom or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. The big teeth. And the spikes are very teethy, too. Very tusky. Yeah, they, they, they do look like they're harvested from something living, don't, don't they? Ooh, and I'm just seeing. Oh, sorry, like the I have tusks? it up on another screen here. The uh, the lions or the saber toothed tigers or whatever they have on the uh, on the bows, yeah, three eyes. Yeah, I don't think I caught that before. So we've got three eyed tigers and big giant tusks as decorations, and men with pacifiers, armor that looks like venom, as you said. Or slee stacks, kind of a cross. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I don't know if this is going to go anywhere and end up in the show or not, but the the big teeth ornamentations, do we think that they're things that are made to look like teeth, or do we think those are actually teeth? Oh, they're probably teeth. They look very similar to the tusks that were behind that were on the set behind Rafe when he was talking in that video, but just a different scale, but the same kind of like bone-like curved. Oh, they look a little like the teeth on the tiger. So maybe we're going to learn more about their homeland in season three. And uh, maybe you might get some more monsters, Sean. Oh, that would suck. <laughs> <laughs> Darn, more monsters. Three-eyed tigers. Nice lions and three-eyed tigers and and tusks oh my and werebears and werebears <laughs> wolf bears bear wolves bear wolves 
Ultron question. Okay. <clears throat> and with that, I think we can call this one completely off the rails and and out <laughs> did we ever really look somewhere. at the rails long enough to uh, have yeah, no i don't think we ever it. started on the rails on this one no yeah. um, we started on the, the looping train wreck yeah yes this is a train going through the forest <laughs> the train never mind oh boy no train of thought roomba of thought yes roomba of thought my <laughs> roomba of thought is is, is is caught in the corner um, <laughs> but like usual we want to say thank you to our our benefactors michael and jen out of the secret watch party island headquarters thank you michael and jen thank you michael and jen and of course we want to thank all of the other wonderful watch party podcasts you want to go check those out watch party lord of the rings a watch party of ice and fire watch party wheel of time and coming soon watch party gaming where all your fine podcasts can be found if you want to get in touch with us you can reach out to us watchparty at gmail.com if you want to be part of the mailbag segment if uh you just want to find our discord or our twitter or our instagram or our uh, i don't know what else we have out there but you can just go to watchparty.com and that will have links to all of that uh also in the show notes uh you can find links to all of that and oh boy i'm tired i want to get this over with so final question <laughs> for the panel we're forming the voltron of of uh the dragon who is forming what part? I say Matt would be both left feet. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that Rand is the head. I think Rand is the right arm. No, I, no, I think Rand is the dumbass. Yeah, yes. well, Rand, and, <laughs> Rand and Matt take turns being the dumbass. So, yeah, but when shifting. Uh, Matt does not then become the right arm. I think the uh, the it's a very weird looking Voltron. Clearly, you want Perrin as the right arm because I mean he's he's the the blacksmith. His right arm's going to be massive. It is, but I kind of want him. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's more of the heart, but you know, I'll form the head and body usually. So, so I think he's the spine. Ah. Oh. Um, that's a good. That's but a forms good the backbone, and he's the one that has the lovely waggy tail. Oh yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> I I agree with that answer and support it wholeheartedly. That's true. That's true. clearly Egwene is going to form the heart. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nynaeve is more like a pineal gland, I think. <laughs> <laughs> She's. Nynaeve is the braid, because that's the part that explodes when she channels. <laughs> so so Nynaeve is, is the grenade? Is that what I heard? <laughs> the grenade and braid. <laughs> she's the adrenaline gland. There you go, the yeah, adrenal yeah. gland. Well, she's the glandular yeah. system, just in general. Yeah. yeah. Ask Lan about that. Um, and I'll form the epidermis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we we have a meat Voltron. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes it a whole lot more interesting when you see the 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 lions bend over and the foot go. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, I'm just thinking back on my old Voltron toy, and it, it, and if they were flesh, that would be, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, mm. you know, I'm, I am not completely against the idea that Matt knows uh, how to accept that kind of gift. Well, it, to, to accept that, first, you really need to relax. Poppers exactly. can help. Exactly. Pop, yeah. Poppers really help. A lot yeah. of lube. Lots and lots <laughs> of lube. Yeah. And, and, and first, you start with the ducky. You, you start with the duck. And loyal is the mechanic. <laughs> after the perfect, keep this mess all held up together. <laughs> Loyal's kind of like Chim Chim in the you know trunk of the speed, <laughs> speed racer star. Just you know, the I, yeah, I want I want things to, during the race. You know, now now I want to see Loyal hiding out in the trunk of the Mach Five. So that makes Land Racer X. Wait, which which anime are we doing this with? It was Voltron. <laughs> now we're on Speed Racer. We've already compared them to Scooby Doo. I'm I'm kind of both hating and loving this threat. So 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 clearly, Lan is Sailor Jupiter because. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Yeah.